Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Hello, all you podcast humans out there. Thank you for supporting independent music. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And we're going international for this episode. I am excited to speak to a person from Sweden. His name is Tomas, and I'm totally going to butcher his last name, so I apologize in advance. Tomas Ligendal. And I, again, I probably mispronounce it, but Tomas plays in a band called Norna, and he previously played in a band called Breach, which uh, for those of you that are fans of heavy music along the lines of like Isis, Melvin's, uh, Neurosis, all of that sort of dark, brooding stuff, Cult of Luna is another example, all of that, you have to check out all of his bands. And his current band, like I said, is Norna, N-O-R-N-A. It is so flippin' good. And I did not know about it. And this is a person, myself, I'm pointing at myself, I'm a huge Breach fan, and Breach put out a lot of cool records and music in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s, and then uh, as we discuss in this interview with Tomas, they, uh, the band dissolved just because, uh, you know, being in bands is a hard business. <laughs> but anyways, I tracked him down because Norna came across my radar, and I was like, what? Tomas from Breach is in a new band? I gotta talk to him. And so I actually hit up a old guest of the show, um, to be able to pull the pieces together, a, uh, a friend of the show, as it were, Johannes from Cult of Luna. And uh, he was like, oh yeah, I'm sure Tomas would love to, uh, to talk. And uh, we were able to make that happen. So thank you to all parties involved. And thank you to Norna for creating great music and Tomas still singing and screaming in good ass bands. Love it. Love to see it. We are at episode 499. At the end of this episode, I will tell you what we are celebrating, because 500, that's a lot of episodes, so I have a special guest on for next week. I mean, these are all special, obviously, in their own right, but uh, 500 is a pretty big milestone, so at the end of the episode, I'll let you know that. 
You can always email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Been getting a nice uh, uptick in emails, and I appreciate that. Always love the uh, guest ideas and you know maybe just feedback about episodes in general. Love to see it. Got, got hit up a lot via the uh, Emma Boster from Dying Wish episode. I had people hitting me up being like, man, that was a fun chat, great chat. Love to hear that feedback. And then just connecting with you as an individual. You can also review the show on Apple Podcasts, toss some stars in there, write some sentences about the show. I do pay attention to that, and I appreciate that. You can also rank the show on Spotify. These are all things that you should be doing. So please, make the, make the effort. Please. It takes you zero time. I mean, let's maybe two minutes max in your day. So that's an that's easy ask. But anyways, Tomas, like I said, love his bands was really excited to have this conversation because Breach was always a mysterious band to me. Like I liked their records and I knew what they were doing and they, I knew they were part of the whole Swedish hardcore scene, but I really didn't have a, a lot of context for it. So Tomas was very enlightening and I loved this chat. So please check out his music. And like I said, his new band, Norna, is spectacular. Really love what they're doing. So here's Tomas and here's us nerding out about uh, Swedish heavy music. I want to say that I discovered Breach probably around uh, 2000 with the uh, Venom release, and I was already, uh, you know, very aware of the Swedish hardcore metal scene and stuff like that. But there was something that really spoke to me about what you guys were doing because it sounded like this weird combination of, you know, I mean, bands like Neurosis and that sort of stuff mixed with um, kind of this interesting. Like, you know, bands like Shellac and like that, that sort of indie rock touch and go vibe. And <clears throat> the sound was really unique. Um, I, I'm going to guess that you guys kind of wanted to throw everything together to make Breach what it sounded like. Or was there a um, unique approach you guys were trying to take to, um, you know, create the music that you were doing? Oh, uh, well, it's it's. You're you're absolutely right about the influences we had because we had so so much different influences when it comes to reach and for sure the whole Chicago scene like Shellac, Jesus Lizard, even the indie pop like uh, Sonic Youth and stuff like that, you know, shoegaze stuff. I wasn't really into that stuff that much, but a lot of other guys were. I were more into the new york hardcore thing and that's where my influences came from so so i guess all those influences mixed and combined kind of made what breach came came out to be you know right uh, and and we were like um we were pretty open-minded also it's like we didn't really want to have like a straight line this is what it's going to sound like we we just wrote music and and what ended up ended up you know yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me, because I, I do think that you guys, the approach, especially watching, once I discovered you guys had that Venom LP and then understood that you had material before that, uh, and I, I kind of, you know, really enjoyed the whole Swedish hardcore scene. And it seems like even though it is uh, very 
big and there's a lot of different people participating in it, it seems like a pretty small and tight knit scene. Uh, am, am I correct in that assumption? Oh well, it, it is, and well, I would I would say it was because back then we're talking like mid '90s, end of end of the '90s, beginning 2000. I think we split up Breach at was it 2001 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but like the end of the '90s, it was it was um, I would say it was mostly happening up in the northern part of Sweden. Um, back, I mean, down south was more like. Uh, punk rock like that 70s punk rock skate punk a little bit and like pop and heavy metal stuff but up in the north especially Umeå which is like a neighbor city and the city I live in Luleå we well Umeå of course you have the refused and that whole straight edge thing you know that was really big and and um and Luleå, yeah. So I would I would say it was it was definitely more the northern part of Sweden that had like a huge scene, and we were we were playing, we were doing shows like DIY shows every weekend, you know, and it, it was it was fun time. But we 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 never really went down south to play, especially the first years. And um, I would say, of course, that happened, and then eventually you. St- you stop playing in your own country, you know, basically. Yeah. Then it's all all Europe and, and whatnot. But 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 yeah, it was it, it was it was very it was very huge. It was it was a big scene up north and it everyone was really connected, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do I I mean I, I know once the that scene started to become uh, popular here in America where we started to pay attention to, you know, bands, whatever, you know, donuts refused, all that sort of stuff. And then even, you know, going farther down the rabbit hole of like, you know, desperate fight records and Abananda and all that stuff. It was, yeah. uh, I, I think it was so, especially here in America, it was so exotic that this country that has been known for producing a lot of good music over the years had this really vibrant, you know, hardcore punk scene because it seemed so far flung from what we were experiencing in America. So, and I'm sure and I'm guessing that what you were looking at that was happening in America, you guys were like, Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. And then we were looking at Sweden and being like, Oh, that's so cool over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, but the, the thing that got me started with this whole thing, this whole breach hardcore thing was like the first time I heard, Youth of Today, We're Not In This Alone album, I was blown away. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is this is what I'm going to do, you know? Yeah. And and after that, I was I was so into the the hardcore stuff that was happening in, in the States. And uh, I wasn't really looking anywhere else, you know? And I think we all were. It, it, it was all the States. And I mean, especially up north, because... And we were kind of sick of... because. The music scene in Sweden was obviously during the 70s, 80s. We had, you know, like that that 70s, 80s punk rock. And then it was mostly heavy metal, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, and, and then, of course, the death metal scene became quite big here in Sweden also. And Yeah. And uh, but but we were definitely looking at, at America and what was going on over there. That That's like... That that's our main main influence, I would say, yeah, for all of the bands here. Oh, absolutely, for sure. Uh, and I'll 
ask a few more questions about that a little bit later. But um, you, as an as an individual, were you uh, you were born and raised in Sweden? Yes. Yes. Got it. Up north. <clears throat> I've been. I've been. I've been living. You know around the world places here and there and, and even south and north part of sweden but i always end up back in the north <laughs> got for it some reason yeah. <laughs> and uh what was your uh family life growing up like do you have brothers and sisters was your mom and dad in the house uh no i i'm the only child uh my dad sadly passed away at a very young age uh so i i pretty much just um uh, grew up with my mom um whatever you know that means sure but, uh, but i mean it's sweden and growing up during them I, I was born in the 70s and growing up during the 80s we it was it was all fun and games you know we had it we had it good over here it was a good thing going so right right yeah i'm gonna guess because uh it was just you and your mom uh did you guys get uh extremely close we did we did you know i absolutely and um even though i kind of told my mom that when i was 16 hey i'm done i'm moving out i want to be on my own Mm -hmm. and i did uh, I just moved a couple of blocks away, though, from her, so she could still wa- wash my clothes and cook me dinner. <laughs> but, right. But I, I definitely wanted to kind of cut the navel cord, you know, if, if you know what I mean. And uh, but but we were tight, and and we're still tight. She's still around, so we we still live in the same city, and we talk every day. Not not every day, but you know. Yeah. Right. You see. Yeah. You. You're. You have a, a good relationship with her. That's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got my own family. I got grown up kids by now. You know. So it's it's like family situation is different. You know. Yeah. Of course. Of course. And uh, what kind of kid did you find yourself, um, you know, being as you started to go into, um, you know, uh, high school and start to develop your identity? Were you, did you like school? Did you like sports? What were you doing? Uh, School was okay. I mean, I didn't really pay attention. I did well. I did well still. And... But I didn't really pay attention. I think I was there mostly for the for my friends, you know, mm-hmm. all, all your friends. And, and school is the thing, you know, when you grow up, that's that's kind of where you where you connect with everyone and all of that stuff. I was uh, a couple of years. I was into sport. I played basketball for a couple of years at a pretty high level, actually. Uh, but then I I would have to say when I could really turn on to music all that sport thing kind of um i kind of dropped it right right, right. There and then yeah were you um so i i'm guessing if you were playing basketball are you uh are, are you tall were you playing a uh you know forward or center or were you playing a guard i'm i'm a tall cat i'm uh okay what would be i'm i I'm not really super familiar with your measurements, but I would say six foot two, six foot three. Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had a forward position. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And uh, 
it, it is interesting when you do get to that point where you feel like you have to choose music or sports because I, I think everybody of a certain age, like I'm 41 years old and you know, now kids that get into punk and hardcore and subculture can, you know, play sports and still be a part of it. But it still was that weird dividing line where it's like, oh, you don't want to be a jock. Like, <laughs> it was just that. Exactly. Right. You know. No, I became a punk rocker at pretty early age. And it's like, fuck, I can't be a punk rocker and do like jock sporty things. You know, it's not it's not coherent, you know. Right. So but but. But also when music kind of became my passion, I, I just basically lost interest in, in doing sports. And and not only that, you know, you grow up, you start, you start, you know, chasing girls and drinking booze and doing drugs and all of that stuff also. So, I mean, when that kind of enters your life, all, all that, that sport thing kind of goes out the door, I guess. Right, right. Um, so when you, like you mentioned, you got into, you know, youth of today, um, was music a big part of your life, I guess, kind of before that, um, as far as the introduction of, you know, certain bands that were more mainstream? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I was really into like British, the, the, the British wave of heavy metal, like Iron Maiden, Eunice Priest, all that stuff, you know, um, that I was... I remember the first time I heard an Iron Maiden LP, also one of one of the moments when I got really blown away, you know, fuck, this is some heavy shit. And then then a couple of years after just listening to heavy metal, I kind of got into that old school hip hop like Public Enemy, Eric B. Rakim, PMD, all all that, you know, that older stuff. And I really liked it. Uh I I don't listen to it that much today, but still, every once in a while, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if this is like an age thing, but but my music, uh, the 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 kind of music that I'm listening to today is like uh, it's, it's it's so wide, you know. I it's everything everything from hip hop to to country. You know, it's 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 really everything. It's basically everything. Uh, but back then, a couple of years, especially during the breach era, I, I was like, I was more like a music fascist. I could I could get really provoked by listening to what I thought was bad music. I was like, you know, I was really provoked by it. Right. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I I grew up and got more mature. Yeah. Well, I. Because I, I I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense because people of, you know, when you're younger, you attach so much of your identity to music and you feel like if someone likes something bad, they they probably are a bad person, you know? It's exactly, like, exactly, yeah. you know. Oh, fuck, that's a weirdo. That's got to be a, a stupid person because right. they listen to stupid music, you know? But who am I to say that that's stupid? I mean, that's, I mean... That's that's weird, but yeah, you know yeah. that 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 was what it was like back then. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. <laughs> Especially too, like you said, once you get into things that are you know punk and hardcore and subculture, 
you found your own secret society, so you're even cooler than all the other people because you're just like, oh, yeah, you guys are lame listening to this stupid music or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You so, kind of find your click. You know? Yeah, exactly. And on that topic, how did you get introduced to, you know, Youth of Today and Hardcore and all that, the more independent-minded stuff? Was it, um, you know, because you didn't have any older siblings to learn from, was it just people you were hanging out with in school and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, once you become a part of this punk rock community and it's all about music, you know, and uh, I, I, I think I just... You know, probably friends, you know, hey, you got to listen to this stuff, you know, and then you find you find that band, you find that album and then you start kind of doing your research, you know, oh, what is this? Where where do these guys come from? You know, and is, is there anything more like this out there? And, and, you know, obviously discovered Discord and all of that stuff and, you know. Well, the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> right, right. So, so, so it's it's. I, I would say friends. You know, we we were kind of like a big community that were all into the same stuff. So that's and then you started looking into the fan scenes, and you know, um, right. It's like it's like a new world opening up to you. You know. Yeah. And, and what were some of those, uh, I, I guess, earlier bands that you were getting into? Like you said, I know Youth of Today, but then, you know, you were clearly into uh, punk as well. So what were kind of some of the early touch points for you? Well, I, when it comes to punk rock, obviously it was because I, before Breach, we had like this skate punk band that was it became kind of famous here in Sweden. And uh, the thing is that we... We split that band split up, and half of it became a band called Fireside from Sweden. Of course, like the, I love it. Yeah, them. they wanted to do that uh, quicksand emo thing, you know. Yep. And and the other half became Breach. So, so before Breach and Fireside, we were all into that skate punk thing, like well, No Effects, Slagwagon, all all of that stuff. You know? Right. So and and that was so different uh, from the kind of punk rock that we are we we're used to the british punk rock from the 70s you know like you know, ghb and exploited and the clash obviously and all that stuff you know yep so so this was a completely different thing and and um then from that obviously discovering all the other american punk rock bands like ramones misfits all that stuff and then eventually all the discord stuff like like fugazi and and, and Right. I mean, everything around that. I'm very excited. I get to tell you about Terror's new full length called Pain Into Power that's coming out on Pure Noise Records on May 6th. So first of all, pre-order the record. You can go to purenoise.net. You'll be able to find all of the rad colored vinyl and everything else they have going on. But let's listen to a little bit of the song, and then I will tell you what they have going on. This song is called Boundless Contempt. Dude, it's terror, right? They know exactly what they're doing. This is their eighth studio album. And what is amazing to hear about this is that they reunited with their original guitarist, Todd Jones, who played Nails, Carry On, a bunch of other incredible bands. He worked with the band hands-on to help write, produce, record, all of that fun stuff. And you're, you're hearing it. 
it's terror. They know what they're doing and they have honed their craft over so many records to be able to do what they're doing now. So, so many guest spots too. We're talking about previous guests of the show, Madison Watkins from Year the Knife, also Cannibal Corpse's George Corpse Grinder. Holy moly, it's so cool. But anyways, needless to say, you need to check out the record. Pre-order it right now, purenoise.net. Find it and pre-order it and you'll enjoy. Just mosh. Okay. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I, I do find it interesting because, I mean, yeah, I, I like like you mentioned with, uh, you know, Fireside, I love Fireside as well. And so much interesting stuff has come from Sweden. The thing that I find interesting, too, is, like you said, how big skate punk was for, you know, you guys, your friends, and then ultimately Sweden in general. It's like, you know, no fun at all. And I just, 
it, it was it was interesting to watch that because like I, I live in Southern California, and so it was almost like you couldn't escape that stuff coming from here. You know, it was yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. all around, and so it was really interesting to see that um, you know travel across the world. Uh, do you think that um, you know? I, I guess how did that get kind of like introduced to you guys? Was it just kind of uh, you know because you were seeing a lot of uh, bands that were you know trying to mimic that sound in, in Sweden, or was it just kind of like you guys were looking over to what was happening in America and that was the most exciting thing? I think I think it started out with us looking out, you know, what was going on in America, and then oh oh we want to do that, and then oh look no this, this guy sounds cool what is this we want to play like them you know so it it's all the all the swedish it like blew up with the swedish punk rock bands just wanted to mimic each other and mimic what's go what was going on in the states and i guess that that's when when the bands like uh, i mean they started up the, the burning heart label and and southern part of sweden and 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 you know well with bands like Mill and Colin, No Fun at All, and all of that stuff, that became huge, you know, because it was, I guess it was at the right time and everything was, you know, happening right yeah. there and then. So, but but I, I would say, I mean, all those punk rock bands and eventually what all of those bands became, it's, it's all coming from the States, you know. Yeah, for sure. And uh, something I noticed as well with, uh, you know, a lot of bands that have come from your area is that, uh, you guys are all, uh, very, uh, proficient at your instruments. Like there are, there's very few bands that, uh, you know, I could look at that, you know, actually put out records and, you know, toured and everything like that, that, you guys take your music seriously. And I, you know, even if the message isn't serious, it's like, oh no, like we're good. <laughs> you know, like yeah, we, we yeah. know how to play our instruments. And I always found that so admirable because I think that there is that element of, you know, punk and hardcore that is like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter how good you are, which of course, like in spirit, I agree with. But then, you know, if you can't hardly put a note together <laughs> to make it sound reasonable, uh, do you, um, you know, in me saying that, does that kind of resonate with you? Where it's like Sweden, I guess, <laughs> takes their music seriously. I know it sounds stupid to say, but well, I guess, I guess we do, and 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 I guess why we became pretty good at playing our instruments is because we live in a small country way up north. We have seven months of cold darkness and nothing to do except you know go into our rehearsal spaces and play music and and there's you know the the music culture up here is so good so finding like uh rehearsal spaces and all that stuff is really easy and it's it's cheap you know and and uh, i i would say mostly because of lack of other things to do because we're like it's nothing is really going on up here you know Right. It's like, there's, there's no other option besides like, well, I guess we could, you know, hang out and read or we could, you know, hang out and play our guitars for seven hours or whatever. Yeah, exactly. No, no. I mean, that's, that's what we're going to do. Of course, the summer is, you know, we also have summer when we do other stuff, but it's very short. And that's when we try to 
try to get some shows going on and actually play the stuff we have been working on during the long winter. And, um, and I guess just, you know, mainly a lot of interest in learning, learning how to play instruments. And, and I mean, from early age here in school, you can, you can learn how to play the drums, guitars, piano, whatever, you know? Yeah. So uh, just, just a, a, a really big interest in, in, in learning. Yeah. It it also struck me too, where I I think because um, there is a a lot more focus put on, um, you know, like you said, like there's government programs and schools, like, you know, mostly here in America, like so much of that stuff gets eliminated. Like maybe when you are, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, you you start to be able to, you know, have a class in school that does that. Yeah. And I, I, I do think in Sweden I, in general and most other countries that there is some emphasis placed on the arts. Yeah. There, I mean, like the, the whole culture thing is really big. And I, I, I well, it used to be anyway, I would say even Sweden is, is, um, is, is, is a country that's getting worse and worse when it comes to everything. But, but back then we did and I, I i definitely noticed that when i lived in in la because my daughter was in elementary school and and if she wanted to do something you know like culturally or art it was like after school programs and you had to it, it was kind of a mess to get into that stuff when and obviously no money she was in like a not private school or or chartered school it was like a la what do you call it? Community school. Yeah, sure. And and so and they they don't have any money for that stuff. I remember doing fundraisers, you know, just for the teachers to get computers and stuff like that. So, so that's that that's a, a huge difference when it comes to Sweden and and the I I guess the money the schools have. Yep, for sure. Yeah, even even if the the. the the money thing here in Sweden is also going, you know, it's, it's, it's changing. Yeah. yeah. It's changing. Definitely. You know? Yeah. And so as you started to, you know, want or start to attend shows and, you know, be really uh, a active participant in your scene, did you immediately have the idea that you wanted to play in a band or was that something you had to warm up to? Uh, no, I, I think I was pretty, you know, quick on the ball there i I really wanted to i I definitely wanted to be on stage and do that and express that and and it's like it's like when i saw a band whatever it was i really enjoy live music and i was like wow man the the feeling i get from from what they're doing on stage i want to i want to be able to express that feeling too you know so i i definitely wanted to play in a band um at from from an early early age definitely got it and i'm gonna guess that um because breach isn't your first band did you like you said you mentioned that you know you played with the guys in fireside and then you guys broke apart and did those two things so what was your i guess first band Uh, my first band would have to be like that skate punk band we started up it was called super dong okay uh yeah and that was like half fireside half breach well not at the beginning we were only a trio in the beginning and we started out playing like uh 
I would say we were pretty pretty influenced from the seventies European punk rock scene. And I remember we we actually you know I think it was the singer in that band he he had a Subhumans album and we listened to that one and we, and we were like fuck we want to do this you know this is this is really aggressive stuff and um, so and also Sweden back then especially up north we were like it, it it was you could have like five or ten different bands and you can have two two new bands in a weekend and then you, you would you know just call that a quit call that quits and go on and start another band and it was it, it was like everyone was playing in, in each other's bands and so it it, it took a couple of years a couple of years before we actually could you know settle with something right know, and, and 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 try to try to build like a foundation in one band or two you know right you were you were busy um you know just starting 25 different bands <laughs> just exactly, because, because yeah yeah you woke up one morning and, and your buddy came over with this album hey listen to this oh fuck we should start a band that sounds exactly like this but a little bit different so let's go to the rehearsal room let's do that and then two days after a new album wow we want to do this you know so it was like that for for many years right right um and so then when you decided uh that you know breach was kind of the the direction that you guys wanted to go and you know explore the more heavy side of things uh how i mean like you i know you worked with burning heart for most of the band's life how did you guys get hooked up with them uh initially was it just because you were you know kind of friends with them and they were observing you or was there another circumstance uh i would say i would say i mean we weren't really friends but they they were one of the bigger labels in sweden and i guess they were starting to hear about us and all that stuff all this stuff that was going on up in the north because back then i think they only had like bands from the south on their label and i think they connect uh we i think we were supposed to put out the first EP on a German label or something, a guy that contacted us, but that didn't happen. And, and the burning heart guys just, uh, contacted us and, and said, you know, Hey, want to do something. And, uh, I mean, we were, we were kind of like the oddball on that label. I mean, it was all skate punk. Yeah. You you definitely were. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, but the cool thing with that label was that they, they really didn't care, you know, they, we could do exactly what we wanted to do. And they were like, I remember sending them a master, especially the last one. I think it was, it's gotta be the la- the collapse album we did with breach. And they were like, what the fuck is this? We don't get it. You know, it's, but cool. You know, this is going to be cool. Yep. And they just let us do it, you know? So, so that was the cool thing. I, I, I did a podcast like a month ago and with a guy that actually worked, at the mail order thing and on burning heart. And he was like, every time someone contacted them and, and they were like, Hey, do you have anything different than the usual Millencon stuff? And they were like, yep, we do breach. You know, that was their, <laughs> that was their, their go-to when they, when they did not want to be mainstream. It's like, yep, we're also doing this. It's called breach. It's really weird and we don't get it, but it's cool. You know? 
<laughs> totally. They're like they they're like they they came from the same scene that we did, but um, yeah, they play really slow and heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess in, initially the first breach EP and the, the first album Friction was, I guess, heavily influences from influence from the like I, I would say the the. the the American scene that came a little bit later, like the Earth Crisis, the metal kind of hardcore thing happening there, and and uh, that combined with the Swedish metal scene, like the death metal scene. I was really into death metal during that period, also. So um, that would be the early albums, and then after that, you know, when we released It's Me God and Venom, it was it was more. Like like you said earlier, like the Chicago stuff, right? So coming in, yeah, you could. Well, yeah, by that point, you guys obviously had you know started to tour and br- be able to bring more influences into your music and stuff like that. So it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Did um, so you know, as you started to put out music with Breach and tour and everything like that, um. I, I'm going to presume that there was not the idea that Breach was ever going to be like your, you know, full time band. You were going to make a living off of it. So, what what were you doing as you were, you know, kind of exploring Breach and putting out music, uh, you know, from the the real world perspective? What were you doing? I mean, except for playing music, what we did to pay our bills. Or- yeah. Yep. Uh, well. I mean, we were young. We were barely out of school. So, I mean, we didn't really have any responsibility. We could go out and tour. I mean, we did so many European tours with Refused in a van, sleeping in sleeping bags on stage, playing for for whatever, 100 bucks, you know? And it was not a problem because we were kids and we didn't have any responsibility back home. But then when we grew older, I mean... A lot of us started working and, and, and obviously, I mean, we were playing punk rock. We're not going to make any money doing what we're doing. So we had to kind of make it work, you know, combined real life work with music. And it became harder, of course, because we were touring excessively, like during the later years. And, and um, but a lot of the guys were working with computer stuff so they could work in the bus, in the tour bus and all that stuff. And I was I was a, a tattoo artist. I've been for 20 plus years now. And uh, I could kind of take my work with me if I wanted to, you know. And so we, we got by, you know, we made it work. Even right. though I remember, I remember we canceled one or two tours because of work issues, but... Often we try to make it work, you know. Right. The the band was the most important thing that you guys were focused on, you know, and you tried to do whatever you could to make that move forward. Yeah, it was. Until we became older and, you know, we kind of noticed that, shit, we have to pay bills, you know. Right. But then we had like, you know, we had companies behind us that paid all that stuff when we were out touring. Um so like we had Warner that that got our back during those all those times but that's that's money that that it's not really money they give to us it's borrowed money you know so yeah right so all of that stuff had to be paid back also right 
And kind of on that idea, once the business aspect uh, started to come into the band's life, was that something that you guys were, uh, I guess, kind of prepared for? Did you enjoy it? Uh, you know, how did you navigate, you know, starting to work with record labels and all that other stuff? Well, I, I think all of us were kind of anti all of that business stuff. You know, we just wanted to play play music. and But obviously, you know, it becomes business after a while and you need, you need a certain, you know, you need, you need money to do stuff and, and you need money to pay people. You have, you have people that work for you that you need, need to get paid. And so it, even though we hated the money thing, it, it was obviously it became important. And, and, uh, but I think most of us were, were just trying to stay out of, the business thing and and create music and we just kept our managing you know focusing on all that stuff even today you know i'm i'm like back in the loop now in the music thing and and, and working you know started talking to my old you know connections and contacts from before and i'm like fuck business again you know <laughs> i hate that part you know it's like but I'm even older now, and I know I can't really do a show for 200 bucks anymore. I can't, even right. though I want to, but it's not possible, you know? So Right, right. It, it, it's kind of like a, a two-edged sword, I, I would guess. Sure. You know, I would say. It's like you, ha- you have to do it in order to keep the you know your life and the band moving forward, but you would rather it just be, uh, I guess, easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and not so much about the money, you know, but it always, it always comes back to the money. Oh boy, you know how much band merch means to me, and frankly, many of you. I know 95% of my wardrobe is basically band merch. And the place that I encourage you to buy all of it is rockabilly.com. Use the promo code 100 words or less that gets you 10% off your order, first and foremost. What is awesome about this company is they have so many items you can potentially get lost in there in the best way possible. They ship it from the Midwest. It's an independently owned operation, and the stuff is all officially licensed. So if you've heard me speak about Rockabilia before, and you have never gone to their website, you're missing out. Again, rockabilia.com, promo code 100 words or less, 10% off your order. I can't tell you that enough, but maybe I will. So dive into the website and enjoy. Win. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Did you feel like, uh, you know, after you had start, started to put out records with Breach, what did you feel like people were paying attention to what you were doing um, and, you know, in a more serious way where it wasn't like you were just playing for, you know, your 40 or 50 friends in your hometown? Well, you know, that's the thing. We weren't really paying attention to that stuff. It's like it, it, that came that came like way after we split up. I was like fuck man i never really understand the greatness of this thing within you know and i still don't and because we were just you know focusing on playing good music and enjoying ourselves and and then obviously i mean it showed up more and more people on the shows and 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 uh but we we never really paid attention to it and i think maybe that's a good thing maybe Maybe we could kind of keep our 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 kind of state of mind and 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 keep our like that anti-establishment thing going, just for not thinking about it. I guess. Right. Yeah. You're just putting your heads down and and focus on what you guys want to do, which is the yeah, music. Yeah. And it's like you know, the, the, all the booking agencies. Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And we're like, yeah, 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 whatever not even asking about the money because we, we kind of, we didn't really want to touch that. Obviously we, we, we kind of needed a paycheck at the end of the month, but even if that one wasn't really that big, a lot of the times it was, it really didn't matter, you know? Yeah. You'll, you'll try to make it work somehow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you, once you started to, uh, you, tour and you know get outside of of you know northern sweden uh did you enjoy the touring aspect uh i did for sure not all of us but uh it the band was like kind of split in half half of us really enjoyed the live part i i did uh especially did i i had i had a lot more problems going into the studio because you uh you have deadlines and, and you have to, you know, make stuff happen, you know, and, and that was kind of hard for me sometimes. Uh, but, but touring was like 
that was that was everything I, all I wanted to do when I got into music. But then the other half was like, no, we want to focus. We want to write. We want to be in the studio. We want to create music. And touring is just a way to promote the album, the music, you know. So it was kind of a split situation there. Right. But what? we all enjoyed it more or less, you know. It, it, it wasn't like like someone really hated it, but right yeah what um so i mean i i appreciate you saying that you know you didn't really necessarily i mean you liked recording but there were elements of it that you didn't like um was it just kind of the uh i guess the the pressure of you know getting a a vocal take done because i mean i'll be the first to agree with you that recording vocals like especially in a heavy band in a recording studio is awful it's not fun um so what what did you not like about it uh yeah i definitely the pressure because it, what what okay thomas it, what what you're doing now is going to end up on this album so you know and i always kind of had um kind of high expectations on myself and never really happy with what i did and back then just you know s screaming my lungs out really not knowing what I was doing was also hard because I would hurt my voice, you know. It's it's different today. I had to learn how to do that kind of vocals. So it's not a problem today. But 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 yeah, the pressure, I would say mostly the pressure. And and you know, you have to do this today and, and you got okay, you got three more days, you gotta do these songs and 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 all that stuff. Right. That, that was that was the so I, I usually I was I I try to stay away from the studio as much as I could, you know, uh, and just be there for for my vocal tracking. Um, of course, I, I really enjoyed, you know, the the process of watching the other guys recording also, because then the pressure was on them, you know. Of course. But... <laughs> but but yeah, it's it's definitely not the same thing as as doing doing that stuff live, right? Uh, actually, the last recording session I did was last summer May mm -hmm. when we recorded the Norna thing in Switzerland in the Alps, and that was that was actually the first time I really really enjoyed studio time. You know? That's awesome. Yeah, so some yeah. some twenty thirty years later. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, how, how did you, I mean, like you mentioned with, with breach, I know you said that, uh, a, a, you felt like a lot of people or more people started to pay attention towards the very, very end of the band. And I know, um, you know, that was kind of where, uh, I became aware of you guys, especially with your relationship, uh, with relapse over here in the States. Um, yeah. how, how, how did that happen? How did that connection, were they just talking to you guys and they licensed the record from burning heart or what was the deal? Well, I, it's so funny. I heard a story about this not long ago, and I can't really remember it myself because a lot of those years are, are kind of cloudy for me. But but I think they they, they they contacted our management in Sweden and and wanted to do something with us. And I know they came out to Germany for a showcase show we had in Cologne. And... I can't really remember what happened, but I've been told that after the show, because I mean, our band was was um, kind of dysfunctional, you know. 
when it, especially during the later years, when it when it came to us as people and individuals, you know, it was a lot of drugs involved, and it was a lot of drinking and all that stuff going on. And and I've been told that after the show, the meeting would relapse. I wasn't even there. I was, you know, in some other part of the town. Don't ask me where and why. <laughs> yeah. And and the drummer was having a fight with one of the guitar players. And this is in the backstage. And our guitar, other second guitar player was just sitting at the table with the relapse guys with his you know, head in his hands, just shaking his head. Uh, and, and the relapse guys were, were told him that, okay, Anders, uh, seems like you have some problems here. And and we're out. So that was it. That know? was it. We were, yeah, that was it. Because we couldn't, we were so dysfunctional. You know, we obviously they liked the show. We always worked on stage, but, but, you know, off stage, we were so dysfunctional as individuals. So, so we, we didn't really care that they were there. We, we, like I said, they were fighting next to them and, and I was pissed drunk somewhere else. And it, it was, it was not important to us, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that was too bad. They licensed the Venom album though, but we were supposed to sign to them, but they were like, okay, it looks like your family is not really keeping your shit together, so we're out. No. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I, I cannot remember this. But, yeah. But it, 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 our, my, the drummer in our band, Per, I, I talked to him a month ago and he, he told me this story. Jeez, yeah. You know, well, if, yeah. if none of you guys were showing up for the actual meeting, it's like, yeah, there's some, the, the priorities are not in order. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which was, I mean, we really wanted to do that, but I mean, we, we couldn't just get our act together. I mean, we we, we canceled American tours just because, because we couldn't fucking keep together, you know? What was, together, so. what was the... Um, yeah, because I, I know I know that you guys because you never made it over to the U.S. Correct? No, no, no. What, I think we canceled one or two tours, like major tours that we were supposed to do, and I don't really remember the reason why. To be honest, it was probably this was like the end of the breach, and we our priorities wasn't really there. But so it it could have been that you know I don't know, man, some. Like the drummer's grandma had a birthday or something. It was like, fuck, no, I can't go. My right. grandma had <laughs> right. a birthday. Or, or, you know, it's some something stupid. And, you know, it, it was definitely because we we were about to not do it anymore, I guess. Right. What uh, Do you remember the tours that you guys were supposed to do over here that you canceled? Well, I, I think we were supposed to do one tour. Pretty. It, it was quite long, wasn't it? Five weeks uh, with this band called Bill Haven. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I remember they were super stoked about it because they were they were really into to what we were doing, and it, we and we just fucked it up, you know. Yeah. Because of some stupid reason, and uh, I cannot really, like I said, unfortunately, a lot of those years are very cloudy. Right. For me. Because I was using a lot of alcohol and drugs. I don't anymore. Since 13 years back, I've been sober and drug free. But oh, nice. But back then, yeah, yeah, that's nice. But back then, it was it, it was chaos, man. So, right. 
So, I mean, I've, I've been asked, you know, if it wasn't because of this, of all of this dysfunctionality, do you still think Bre- Breach would be around? And man, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well, it, it's interesting because hearing that, you know, the dysfunction that existed in the band, but like you said, the the fact that you could all come on stage and be this collective unit. <laughs> it And honestly, it's like there are a lot of bands that exist in that level of tension um, where it's like they could be, you know, completely a mess off stage, but then the moment that you get on, everyone is on the same page and has that creative energy. And sometimes it's so hard to be able to um, harness that to where it's like, yeah, we can't, you know, like we can barely get organized off stage, but man, it's it's special when it's on stage. Yeah, 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 and we definitely had that. I mean, on stage, we did the work and we had fun and we we really enjoyed it and we enjoyed each other's company on stage. But but off stage, it was a totally different story, you know. And um, then you know later, you know, all this um, some mental issues, be, you know, became a, a, an issue in our band and. Mm-hmm. A couple of the guys started to struggle with that stuff, and not only the drug, drugs and the alcohol, but other stuff also, like sure. mental stuff. And yeah, mental health so, issues, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, so. I mean, especially too with what you're talking about, where it's like everybody is self-medicating and doing these things to either distract from the actual issue, and that can only, you know, you can only do that for so long. You can only run away for exactly. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it, it it was. It, it's a sad story. The last year is a really sad story. It was like I I I I couldn't really see the problem, probably because I was part of the problem, you know. Uh, uh, but but I it was it was sad to see it go. I think we all thought that we, that it was sad that we you know we had to leave. Right. Um. Um. And uh, we have talked about it briefly afterwards, and it's it's um, for some of the guys it was like a relief, of course, and, and even though it, it it was sad because it's like our whole life, you know. Of course. And, and um, I mean, a lot of the the rest of the world kind of waited for us to do something more, and, and we didn't. It was kind of in a limbo, and we didn't really know what to do of it, and then we. That's when we decided to do that that last kind of reunion show, and and that would be the end of it because we also had a hard time moving on from it. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's what was, you know, from my perspective as an outsider, just like watching. Um, you know, it's like you'd hear little bits of news where it's like, I mean, especially it's like once the collapse record came out, where it was like, oh, is it like. Are are they still doing this? Like, is this? Yeah. <laughs> and it, and then it just yeah, it just felt like it faded into obscurity. And um, but yeah, I, I can understand where it's like this has been all of your you know young adult life that you need to be able to try to figure out a way to move on from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I especially the collapse album. I mean, that album was not really supposed to happen. It was, it was our label that that was like, okay, guys, can can't you do just one last thing you know and and we were like okay fuck it let's do it and and the drummer and and one of our guitar player anders they they started kind of jamming it so it it's kind of experimental that album and and obviously it it was way ahead of its its time i guess 
because uh, a lot of people didn't get it, including me, myself, I guess, uh, until maybe five, six years later. Right. And, uh, and so it, it, it was it, it was not planned. And we did. We released it and we did two shows on it. No tour. And that was it. You know, right. Just two shows. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. No, yeah. Nothing to, uh, you know, actually promote the thing. Yeah. No, no. And so when you were transitioning out of, of breach and kind of figuring out what you wanted to do, uh, next, was it, um, was it difficult for you to kind of step away from it and figure out if you still, I guess, connected with music on a deep level? Uh, it, it, it was hard. I mean, right, right there. And then I, you know, we all started to have family. I had, you know, by then I probably had one or two small kids, wife, and uh, still living a kind of a dysfunctional life, you know, uh, but with family and, and with one foot still in the music and one foot kind of walking away from it and not really knowing, you know, what to do. So I guess I, it, it was kind of like a, a break for like a long break with not doing anything, but constantly, constantly thinking about it, you know. Right. And it's also hard to, you know, tour when you have two kids that are like three and five years old. You got a family thing going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, and I presume also, you know, you uh, tattooing and trying to build up your, um, you know, portfolio there and working yeah. in a shop and stuff. Yeah, just basically making an income, you know, and, and make all that stuff work. And and obviously music was always in the back of my mind, and I, I, I did like some guest spots here and there just to kind of boost my ego or something. I don't know. Right. And then you know, try try to uh, try to create music like different kind of music, like go outside of my comfort zone, like like singer songwriter stuff, and that I obviously didn't publish. But you know, just trying to still stay connected to the to the creative process of music without without going like full on right yeah and and that's a that's a good point because i think especially when you've been in a band that has you know toured and released records it feels like that's the only way to do it you know, it's like, yeah. it doesn't have to be as, uh, you know, ambitious at that. You can do something that's on a little smaller scale and it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did miss touring a lot, though. I've, I've always missed touring. But, but like I said, it's, it's, it's it, I guess it was a good thing I wasn't touring because I had a family and small kids. So. Right. But I, but I could walk, I could walk around at home and I was like, fuck, I, I really meant, you know, I've. I want to be on the road, you know? Right. So it's like mixed, mixed feelings, you know? Of course. Yeah. Uh, what, what brought you to LA? Cause I, I, I didn't know that you lived out here for a while. Um, what, what brought you out here? It was actually my ex-wife. We're, we're not married anymore. Well, actually we are, we're not divorced, but we haven't been together since three years now. Okay. So we're, we're still best of friends, you know, but she, uh, attended an art school in Pasadena uh, she was supposed to take a master's degree. It was called Art Center in Pasadena. Yeah, I'm familiar. Uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of like a, a, a big school. You it know? is, yeah, very big deal. And 
and she's an artist and she was stoked to 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 actually be able to attend that school um and uh so we decided to move when she did and it, it was a four-year thing no it was supposed to be yeah four or almost five year in la so we just you know packed our stuff and and, and went and we always also wanted to somehow move to california so the school thing was just okay this is it here's now the reason yeah it. yeah this <laughs> right. is the reason because we always been traveling to, to california because we really enjoy the climate i know that the 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 native californians does, doesn't really enjoy the climate but but we did because we live way up north in scandinavia and i i always enjoyed it out there so so the school was the reason and and that's that's pretty much why we moved out there uh, I, yeah. I i worked with tattooing just a couple of days a week you know her school was really it, it kind of required her attention and and long days so i kind of had to take care of, we had our nine-year-old daughter with us so i had to take care of that you know drop off at school and pick up at school and you know right take, take, take care of the home and stuff you know? so, yeah so i was basically just there you know Absolutely. And we uh, we moved out there 2014. Unfortunately, we had to move back 2016 because she got diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, my ex-wife. Ah, oh, got it. Yeah. So yeah, you had to take yeah, care but, of the health. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, she did all the, the, the surgery and all that stuff in L.A., which was a good thing. And, and she recovered. And it's five, six years now. And she's all good. That's awesome. So so thank God for that. But yeah. but she couldn't really uh, keep up with school. Yes, of course. And, and 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 they needed her to to be there like ten hours a day to to even you know to to do the competition there. But so so we had to kind of yeah back home. Yeah, that makes sense. Because if you don't have school, you don't have any papers, and you're not basically allowed to be there. So it's kind of hard for European people to move to the states. You really got to have a reason for it, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, two two last things I wanted to ask you. One, um, the uh, the journey for you to you know, sobriety. Uh, I'm guessing that you kind of ran into a wall where you knew that you couldn't keep doing that or what was the uh, thought process for you, you know, kind of eliminating that from your life? Yeah. Well, I, I guess it's the same story for everyone. When you, when you like you, you, you fuck up over and over again and you kind of notice that nothing, absolutely nothing is working in your life right now. You, that's when you need to do a change. I, I, I would probably have, I should have probably done that change like many years before that, but you got to hit rock bottom before you kind of do it. And you got to kind of take the decision by yourself to do it. So it was it, from one day to the next, I decided to, this is it, you know, and it's been 13 years now. Got it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you definitely have to want to do it for yourself. Like, you know, you can have loved ones and family and friends and everybody trying to push you towards it, but you have to want it for yourself before it actually sticks. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
And so with, with Norna, it seemed, I mean, like I mentioned to you before I was recording, it kind of, for me, it seemed to come out of nowhere. And then I was like, oh, wait, oh my gosh, it's Tomas from Breach. I'm like, geez, I mean, your, your voice is very, uh, distinct. So even if I didn't know it was you, I probably would have immediately. <laughs> um, okay, so they say, so they say. Exactly. Um, so, you know, what, what motivated you to kind of, you know, I guess do this again and actually, like you said before, enjoy recording? Um, what was the motivation? Oh, well, you know, like the music thing has always been lingering in my head and I've, I've always wanted to get back on the road, always wanted to get back on touring, even though I'm old now, I'm like 47 years old now, but hey, Keith Richards can still do it. So of course I can. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, uh, these guys that I'm working with now, they, they actually, when I lived in the States, they contacted me and wanted to do like, they had their own project and wanted me to do like a guest thing, vocal thing on, on their album. And I did. And we, we kind of stayed in touch after that. And, and the ID started to grow that we should maybe like do a project. It was supposed to be just a one-time thing, this Norna thing, uh, and see, see where it takes us. And this guy, Chris was the guitar player, the other guitar player. He, he had an idea. He wanted to do one production with people he won't, he really wanted to work with. So he asked me, he asked a buddy that plays drums and then, uh, also Magnus Limber from Cult of Luna. He was also supposed to play the drums uh, which didn't really work out. So he, en- he ended up being like behind the whole production and like mixing and mastering it, all that stuff. So, and then, I mean, it, it, we've been taking our time. It's, it's been two, three years now in the making. And uh, uh, I mean, I guess one day we decided that we wanted to take it on the road and try to, you know, to play this stuff live because we weren't really supposed to in the beginning. And then after that, uh, I mean, we decided to just make a band out of it. That's awesome. And, and yeah. And the release of the, the, the production was always in mind that, okay, let's release this album and see, you know, just see it as a one-time thing only and then move on. But all of us kind of we connected really strongly and we have fun and we enjoy each other's company we have the same vision when it comes to what what kind of music we want to write and and so it it was just a perfect match so we made a band yeah Uh, (laughs) right you're like we have no choice but to do this exactly and it's also a good thing for me now because like i said i'm not married anymore i got i got older kids it doesn't really require my attention that much anymore so it's a perfect perfect time for me to to go out and tour again yeah absolutely right yeah it's you're freed up from some of the responsibilities and then you can you know focus your creative energy towards this thing that you know you still obviously care about yeah yeah i mean my youngest daughter she's she's turning 17 this year and so i mean it's just perfect she she's totally fine with me doing this and and she's like i don't i don't care you know and i told her just so you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be gone and she's like well dad me too right i'm gonna be around (laughs) so do what you do you know yeah i guess kind of on that uh idea 
your you know your kids have observed your uh, your tattooing and obviously listening to music that is probably not what their you know friends parents listen to and stuff like that do your kids interact with your art um at all thinking like oh like dad's kind of cool or it's like oh man whatever dad's into is kind of stupid like <laughs> how well, do they how do they react well you know how it is it's 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 nothing it's i mean i'm their dad their dad is always like a boring dude, you know, but right. I, I still think they have, they have really creative parents, you know, and I, I, I do think they are kind of, uh, that, that we are kind of cool, you know, even though if I played, when I got the test press on the Norna album, I played it for my daughter and she was like, you know, dad, it's cool, but I don't get it, but it's cool, you know? Right. So I mean, she, she's obviously, not into that kind of music but but she can appreciate it you know and and she she thinks it's cool and all of the kids do and my ex-wife too and you know she's she's also been you know i don't get it thomas but obviously i see that you have a good thing going here you know so it's it's they have always been very very supportive there we go that was tomas and uh i loved it i hope that you are broadening your musical horizons and maybe uh, checking out more bands from Sweden because I really do think that uh, area of the world has put out some of the best music, just period, bar none. So uh, yeah, thank you, Tomas. Thank you, Johannes from Colt Luna for putting the pieces together. I appreciate that. Next week, like I said, episode 500. <laughs> it feels so wild to say. I've spent 500 weeks with you not even talking about like the bonus episodes and stuff. It's it just makes my brain melt into one another. But anyways, I have Milo from The Descendants. I could have probably just said Milo and you would have known who I'm talking about. So I got to have Milo Ackerman from The Descendants on and it was glorious. It was an hour of pure bliss on my end and uh yeah, I I I had Milo. That's great. <laughs> so that's what we got next week. Until then, please be safe everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 